We've been talking about the vision of Pinnacle for a while now. And some of you are, I'm sure, beginning to see things a little bit uh, differently and clearly, I pray, as we continue to focus on this together. Our purpose for being here, as noted in your program, and most of you probably already have it memorized, our purpose for being here is to turn fans of Jesus into followers of Christ who can change their world. See, I knew you probably had it memorized by now. Talking about it every week. And we talked about the difference between being a fan of Jesus and a follower of Christ. And we're going to talk about that uh, specifically one more Sunday on the uh, second Sunday in November. But we also talked about what it means to change your world. And we talked about how every one of us have a, have a sphere of influence. We have people around us. And it's not something that uh, you do in a plastic way. In other words, it's not, it's not unreal. It's something that is part of your life. There are people that you talk to. There are people that you meet. There are people that you share life with. And it's our goal and objective as Christ followers to allow Christ to bless them and to touch their lives through us. And so we talked about that together. And then last week we mentioned uh, the need for servanthood or servant leadership. And we talked about serving in three different ways last week. We talked about strategic serving. Strategic serving as a deacon and the word deacon, the title deacon, literally means servant. And we talked about that last week. We talked about serving strategically, serving spontaneously and uh, I have to tell you, I've seen a lot of that since last week uh, around here, and I'm sure you've seen it at home. Uh, just simply people responding to the Spirit's leadership and doing things that, that need to be done. And then we talked about serving selflessly, because if you serve for yourself, you can't really serve strategically for the Lord or, or spontaneously because you're thinking about you instead of thinking about God. So we talked about leadership and deacons, servants, and today we want to talk about leadership some more, and we want to talk about elders, and we want to talk about shepherding. And uh, as I was praying for this and preparing for this, uh, there are several different ways that I felt uh, originally uh, that I was going to go, and as I continue to pray, the Lord laid something on my heart that I hope and, and pray <laughs> this morning that it will be uh, as much a blessing and encouragement to you as it has been to me. Before I, before I tell you what that is, I, I just want to identify, if you would let me, want to identify for you the fact that there is a gift in the Scriptures. One of the gifts that you may unwrap is the gift of shepherding. And uh, as you think about the gift of shepherding, it's really a, akin to the whole concept of being a shepherd. And a shepherd, you know, takes care of the sheep and tends the sheep and so on. And, and God has given to the body certain people who have the gift of shepherding. They just uh, really have this passion for taking care of, of a number of people and they just are watching over them and praying for them and concerned about them and so on. Uh, the Bible, though, talks about the specific office that is related to shepherding, and that is the office of being an elder, an elder. 
In fact, when the Apostle Paul was getting ready to leave and go to Jerusalem and he told the church in Ephesus that he wasn't going to see them anymore, we're told that in verse 17 of Acts chapter 20, uh, he sent to the elders of Ephesus to meet him. And then when they met together, he spoke to them about how he did not shrink back from teaching them and all those other things. But then he says the following in verse 28. He says, you need to be on guard, you elders. You need to be on guard for yourselves and for all the flock. There again, you have the picture of a shepherd and his flock. Among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Overseers, elders, overseers, bishops. Those are, those are all words in the Bible that are used to describe the same office. And then he says this, to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. Shepherd the church. Shepherd the church. He says, I know that uh, after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from among your own selves, men will arise speaking perverse things to draw away the disciples after them. Therefore, be on the alert, remembering that night and day for a period of three years, I did not cease to admonish, admonish each one of you with tears. And so the... The primary function of an elder has to do with shepherding, shepherding, shepherding the flock. And here he talks about the need to shepherd the flock because the, the flock is, is uh, going to face dangerous things, dangerous events and situations. In fact, if you look into uh, the sheet that is handed out on the back table there about elders, it it talks about their need to shepherd the flock. Uh, we also find in 1 Timothy 3, verses 1 to 7, by the way, not just 5 to 7, we have there the description of the character of the people that need to be involved in shepherding the flock. Elders have a certain character that they are supposed to have, qualities. Um, you also notice when you look at the book of James that that elders are supposed to be available in order for the body, the church, the flock, to be able to come and receive prayer for them. Uh, the Bible says, James tells us, that if anybody's sick, let him call the elders and let them come and pray for them. So praying for the people and for the flock is is essential part of what the elders are supposed to do. And then we also notice in First Peter uh, chapter 5, that the elders are supposed to lead. They're supposed to lead with diligence. But again, I want you to notice what it says in verses 1 to 3 of chapter 5 of First Peter. It says, Therefore I exhort, exhort the elders among you as your fellow elder and witness of the sufferings of Christ and a partaker also of the glory that is to be revealed. Shepherd the flock of God among you. Shepherd the flock of God among you. Not under compulsion, but voluntarily, according to the will of God, and not for sordid gain, but with eagerness, nor yet as lording it over those allotted to your charge, but proving to be examples to the flock. Examples to the flock. So over and over again, you have this, this clear, clear communication that an elder is primarily to be a shepherd. Now, he's not the chief shepherd, they are not the chief shepherds. There's only one chief shepherd, but they are under shepherds, I guess you could call them. Elders are to shepherd the flock. 
Anyway, as I was praying about this and asking the Lord for continued direction, uh, I thought, you know, this is great. We can talk about these qualities and characteristics, which I think is a good thing to do. And I've basically outlined them for you very quickly. And I've also put a sheet of paper over on the back table that that identifies everything that we've talked about and more. And you're you're able to take those and read them at home. Uh, and, and enjoy them and get the nuts and bolts, if you will, of the characteristics, the qualities, and so on of an elder. But the Holy Spirit laid it on my heart to ask the following question. If you want to be a shepherd, or if you're going to shepherd, you probably need to take some time to find out what a shepherd, a good shepherd is. Anyway, so I spent a whole lot of time in John chapter 10, where... It says Jesus is the good shepherd. And at several occasions there in John John chapter 10, it says that Jesus, the good shepherd, lays down his life for the sheep. So the shepherd is sacrificial in nature. The shepherd is not self-serving. The shepherd cares for the sheep and is willing to give his life for the benefit of the sheep. Anyway, the more I prayed about it and I looked at it and read it, uh, the more I realize that if, if we're going to understand what it means to shepherd, we need to look at the good shepherd. And then I thought there's no better passage in all of Scripture. Probably one of the most favorite passages anywhere in the Psalms is the 23rd Psalm. Where David, who is picturing himself as a sheep, is talking about his shepherd. And so what I would like to do this morning is I'd like to share with you a little bit about Psalm 23. And David as a sheep talking about his shepherd. And this is the context that I want you to look at this in with me this morning. And that is that as you look at the elders that God has given us, it is their responsibility. It is their primary role and objective as part of the body of Christ and the church to lead the sheep to the shepherd. To the shepherd who can meet all of their needs. Human beings can't do that. But he can, the good shepherd, our Lord Jesus Christ. So in light of that, what I've done is is basically identified certain things about God, certain things about the good and great shepherd that we as elders need to lead the church to experience and to know. And to understand. So it's something that we're supposed to be doing all the time. So um, elders, I, I can see, you know, you're ready to take notes. This is good. So that you understand fully what this is about. You and I are conduits. You and I are, are vessels through which we are to direct people to find their answers in the shepherd of the flock. And this is not an easy task. And there's a hands-on involvement. And shepherding... Shepherding is something that, if you've read any material on it, it's a pretty rough job. It's not easy. And the sheep, they can be kind of, well, sheep can be sheep, right? I know, that was bad. I couldn't resist. Follow through the psalm with me, if you will. The very first thing he says is, The Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. The person, the shepherd, 
God's person. It's the responsibility. It is the requirement, really, of all who are in the position of being under shepherds and elders to constantly direct people to the shepherd, to the shepherd. So when people come or they're involved in trials and tribulations or having difficulty, we who are here to help and encourage and assist, we have to make sure people understand and have a relationship when they're, and are able to embrace the fact that the Lord is my shepherd. Is the Lord your shepherd? It's one of the most critical questions of all. If the Lord's not your shepherd, then you're out of the fold. And he's the door as well, John 10 tells us. So you need to have a relationship with the shepherd so you can come into the fold. Secondly, he says, I shall not want. I shall not want. And here you have the shepherd's provision. The provision. I, I think over and over again in the scriptures how God is our provider. The Bible says that God will supply all our needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Jesus is the one who is our provider. The shepherd is our provider. And specifically here, when he says, I shall not want, he's, he's talking about the fact that, that he, will, he will not be deficient or lacking in anything that he needs. That's what David is saying. The shepherd will meet every need that I have. The shepherd is able to meet every need that I have. And so it's important for elders to re remind others <laughs> as they are shepherding that Jesus is the one as the good shepherd, the great shepherd, who has all their needs in his hands ready to meet those needs. Needs. Needs not necessarily wants. David goes on to say, He maketh me to lie down in green pastures, and he leadeth me beside still waters. This is referring to the shepherd's peace. Shepherd's peace. You know, sheep, uh, they don't lie down. They don't lie down unless they are completely free of any disturbance. They don't lie down unless they're completely free from pests, fear, hunger, free from friction between the other sheep. They don't lie down. They're not at rest. And David says that he makes me lie down in green pastures. So when, when sheep come to a place of rest and freedom from fear and the pests of this world and so on, as well as hunger and friction with other sheep, when they come to that place of peace, then they are able to lie down. And the Bible says that Jesus, our great shepherd, he's the one that leads us to a place of rest. Why do you think Jesus said in Matthew, Come unto me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. I'll give you rest. He is our good shepherd. And we need people to understand that. Also, you notice he says, He leadeth me beside still waters. Those two represent his peace. And his peace allows us to enjoy not only the refreshingness of the water, but the rest and the satisfaction of peace, peace and contentment with him. He goes on to say that he restoreth my soul. He restoreth my soul. You know, it's so vital that people, all of us, understand that nobody can restore your soul except the good shepherd. Not your husband, not your wife, not a good job, not a great paycheck. Nothing can restore your soul like the shepherd can. Nothing. 
It's interesting when you think about this restoration process. Uh, there's two things to remember. One is that sheep, sheep, unfortunately, uh, they, they uh, experience what's called being cast. Cast. And so you find the psalmist elsewhere saying, you know, why, why is my soul cast down within me? A cast sheep. You know what a cast sheep is? A cast sheep is one that has found themselves on their back. And sheep, when they're on their back, are in big trouble. Because they can't get up. They can't roll over. They can't just simply wiggle and squirm and roll over. They don't do that. They just sit there and they start beating the air with their legs because they're frantic and they end up being food for the prey, or they just simply die because of the gases that are built up within their body. A cast sheep is one of the most, one of the most horrific uh, dangers that a shepherd is constantly looking for. Because a cast sheep is extremely, extremely vulnerable. They can't get up. Um, they are in danger. They, they are facing great defeat. And uh, truly, they are in, in serious, serious trouble. They're vulnerable to attack from predators, buzzards, wolves, you know, you name it. Uh, they're, in, they're in trouble of being attacked. They're looking for usually a soft and an easy spot in order to get comfortable. And that's how they end up getting cast. I don't know if you heard what I just said. But often sheep will look for an easy place, a comfortable place, a place where there's not a lot of uh, discomfort and so on, and they'll, they'll try to find themselves there, a place to rest and relax. And when they do, they end up getting cast. This is a lesson for us sheep. Don't think the easy road is the good road. Don't think the comfortable road is the good road. Just keep that in mind. And so they get cast. They, they often also can become too encumbered. And when they're too encumbered, they can also become cast. What does it mean to be too encumbered? Well, uh, you know, they've got a lot of this stuff we call wool. And if they haven't been fleeced, if they haven't been taken care of, they can be heavy, heavy. And so they can easily, you know, fall over or roll over. And the other one is that sometimes sheep get a little too self-assured. They think they got it under control and they're fine and they end up getting cast as well. Here when he says he is restoring my soul, we're talking about the shepherd's power. The shepherd's power to turn us back, to restore us, to get us back on our feet, to get us going again. He restores us from danger. He restores us from defeat. He restores us from doubt. He sets us back on our feet. And you know, when they're, when they're cast, when a sheep is cast, they lose all their, their, um, their blood supply to their limbs. And so they, can't, they, they begin to lose feeling and stuff like that. And so often when the shepherd will turn them, the shepherd will stand them up and straddle them so that the sheep is between the shepherd's legs and he'll hold them there. He won't let them take off. They want to go, but they can't because if they go, they're going to end up on the ground again. So he'll hold them tight. For a little while, make sure the blood starts flowing, make sure the toxins start to get away. And then when it's right, when he can tell as he's rubbing the sheep and rubbing their legs and just ministering to the sheep, 
He can tell when they're ready and then he'll let them go. So when David is writing and saying, he restoreth my soul, this is what he's describing for us. And the shepherd is the one that restores our soul. And the elders are required by virtue of their calling to lead people to the shepherd who can restore their soul. To share that with them, to communicate that with them. And then it says, he leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. The shepherd's plan. The shepherd's plan. Do you know that uh, shepherds try to keep the sheep moving? (laughs) They have a place to go. They have a purpose. They have a direction. They They leave their their basic home and then they start to move and move up through the valleys and the mountains into the summer grazing areas they're always on the move they're getting directed they're taking a journey they're on a trip you and i as sheep we're on a trip and our good shepherd is taking us on this trip he is the one that's guiding us he is leading us in paths of rightness or righteousness for his name's sake he's taking us somewhere we're not just hanging out here we're not just here for ourselves. We're not just here to, to, you know, get all we can and can all we get and then sit on it and let it soak and sour. He's calling us onward and forward and ultimately he's going to call us home and welcome us into his very presence. So he is our sheep. You know, sheep have this incredible tendency. Isaiah describes it in Isaiah 53, chapter 53, verse 6. He says, all we like sheep have gone astray, and we led, we've led everyone to their own way. We have this incredible, incredible, um, unhealthy propensity to doing it our way, to going our way, and to taking other people with us the wrong way. So one of the things the elders are supposed to do is to say, hey, that's the wrong way. You're not thinking right. You're not going right. You're not focused. You need to be restored. You need to follow the way of the master, the way of the shepherd. There is a way that seems right to a man, Proverbs says in two different places, but the end thereof is death. So as the good shepherd leads us in paths of righteousness for his name's sake, it is our place to let people know as elders and our place as sheep to understand that he has a plan. He has a good plan for our for our lives you, you do know Jeremiah tells us that, that, that he has a good plan for us, plan for, for welfare. A couple of weeks ago, Anna shared that. It was awesome. And then he goes on and he puts these two phrases together where he says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. And here you talk and see the shepherd's protection. The shepherd's protection. Now you can ask any sheep, and sometimes they don't like some of this activity. Uh, we'll get to that in a minute. The rod and the staff. But before we get to that, he talks about protection leading us through the valley of the shadow of death. Through. There are no dead ends when it comes to the shepherd leading the sheep. He doesn't lead them into a canyon. He doesn't lead them to a place where They can no longer go anywhere forward or they're stuck. No, he leads them through, through the valley of the shadow of death. You know, for sheep to get to the summer grazing field, they have to go through not only climbing the mountains, but lots of valleys. 
And it's in the valleys where they have the water. It's in the valleys where they have the food. So they, they have to constantly go up and down. And it's through those valleys, which are, by the way, the most dangerous place for sheep. Because you have predators that are hanging out in the rocks and waiting. And he says, he leads me through the valley, through disappointment, through disturbance, through frustration, through discouragement, through dilemma, through death, ultimately. He leads us through these things. We have his protection. And then he says, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. His rod is specifically for correction. Correction, referring to the word of God. It corrects us. It directs us. Makes clear our error. The word of God, the rod. You know, the rod, as I said, is one of those things that, that we don't really like as sheep, but it's essential. You go on the wrong way and you know, all of a sudden you get poked with the rod. It's kind of like, ah! And the Holy Spirit does that with us sometimes. You go on the wrong way and you get jabbed. And you think it was the pester, but it wasn't. It was the Holy Spirit. So as you think about it, the rod for correction, but then the staff for comfort. You know, the staff has that hook on it, the hook on it. Oftentimes what the shepherd will use is the hook and he'll hook the the sheep and he'll bring them back and get them going in the right direction. That's what the good shepherd does for us. And that's what elders do. They lead people to the shepherd. They direct attention to the shepherd who is their protection. And then you have God's preparation or the shepherd's preparation. He says, thou preparest a table before me. Thou preparest. God is preparing a way. The shepherd is looking ahead. You know, oftentimes when the sheep are secure and safe, the shepherd will take off and check out the terrain ahead and he'll look at where they're going. He will prepare the path and then he'll come back so he can take them with him on the next day. So the shepherd's constantly going ahead and coming back, going ahead and coming back. And I know, I know that, that we know these things, but we need to understand that Jesus has gone before us, not just in the sense that he's gone before us into heaven and he's returning from there, but our good shepherd has lived as a sheep. He was the lamb of God that took away the sin of the world. So he knows what it's like to be a sheep. He understands the challenges. He knows the heartache and the pain that we suffer The Bible says that he's acquainted with our grief. He knows the feelings of our infirmities. And so he's preparing constantly, making ready the road ahead. And not only is he making ready the road ahead, but he says he now prepares the table before me. And how many of you have often thought about a table as being a table? One of these things, you know, where you sit down and you have a meal. He prepares a table before me. Well, I don't see very many sheep getting up to tables to eat. Do you? (laughs) No, he's not talking about these tables. As they would move through the valleys and up the mountains and so on, up to the summer feeding, they would be going toward a specific mesa. Mesa. What's a mesa? Table. That's right. Thou preparest a mesa. Thou preparest a table. Do you realize how much work it takes to prepare a mesa, a table for the sheep? Again, oftentimes, the shepherd would go ahead of time and pick out the table. 
before they even started. And then he'd come back and start taking the sheep. And a couple of times along the journey, he would go up and he'd spend and invest some time preparing, taking out the poisonous plants, removing the stuff that will kill the sheep, preparing water and drinking areas and taking care of this table, this mesa, so that when the sheep got there, they could just absolutely have a blast. Thou preparest the table before me. The shepherd's preparing tables for you. The shepherd is preparing a place for you where you can graze freely and be at peace and joy. It's a seasonal thing, I think, often for us. We have times in the valley. We have times in the mountain. We have times on the table, the mesa. He's our good shepherd, and it's our place as, as elders to shepherd the flock. That's what, that's what Paul is talking about. Help the flock to understand. Lead them. Encourage them. Direct them. And then he talks about God's purpose or the shepherd's purpose in, in his day-to-day activity with the sheep when he says, Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. The shepherd's purpose in his daily hands-on experience with the sheep, he anoints their head with oil. It's really kind of funny because you think when they would reach the mesa, when they would reach the table, they would free, be free from all this stuff. But when they reach the mesa, when they reach the mesa, what they face more than anything else is insects and swarms of infestation and often they'll get in their noses and anyway, they can, they can kill the sheep, these, these pests. And they will hover around the heads of the sheep. Have you ever seen a light? Just like I did this, uh, I guess it was two nights ago, looking out, outside briefly. And the light was on outside and you could see all of the, in, in the, the uh, mosquitoes and stuff just swarming around the light. I used to love when I was a kid back east, you know, you'd sit there and you'd have that bug light, right? And it'd go, bzz, bzz, bzz. <laughs> coming from Iran, I didn't have a clue what that was till I got here. I thought, what is that? Well, that's a bug killer. Oh, cool. Every time you hear those noises, like, got one, got two, got three. <laughs> and so the only thing that was a remedy for the sheep was the anointing oil that the shepherd would go and constantly be putting on the sheep's head, primarily. Thou anointest my head with oil. Keeping those stinking bugs away. There's plenty of bugs in life. Plenty of pests. Plenty of things that can affect your thinking and your mind. And the Bible not only helps us to understand that he gives us the Holy Spirit as a down payment, as a guarantee that we are his children. But he also, on a regular basis, the shepherd is constantly seeking to anoint our head with oil to help us to think clearly, to focus rightly. He's always doing that. The Holy Spirit over and over and over and over again is giving us blessing after blessing of his anointing and his presence and his grace in our lives. A cup overflows. Talking about the cup of contentment. Contentment, Paul says, is great gain. 
Great gain. You know, when you can be contented in your walk, in your relationship with the shepherd, you're in a wonderful place. Wonderful place. And then he finally says, goodness and mercy follows me all the days of my life. I just want you to picture the shepherd going along, not only anointing and not only preparing these, these places of rest and contentment, all that, but also that the shepherd has, has this design to be good to you as a sheep and to be merciful to you. You know, sheep make lots of mistakes. Sheep do things that are not nice, and sometimes they get involved in these headbuttings and carrying on between each other and, and fighting, and they can even kill each other by doing that. But the good shepherd is there. He is there to provide them with his presence, his anointing, and his goodness and his mercy. You don't see shepherds when the sheep wanders off or the sheep is involved in a, in a fight. You don't see shepherds going after that sheep and taking the rod and beating them to death. You, you see the shepherd maybe using the rod to get their attention, but then the staff and then the care that's needed and the fleecing that's involved, all of that is part of the good shepherd's activity. And then finally, listen to this. I know you all know this, but David says, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I will dwell in the house of the shepherd forever. Now, you need to, you need to, you need to excuse me, my brain's going fast in my mouth. You need to understand, you need to understand that when we read the 23rd Psalm, so often because it's read at funerals, people read it and accurately so. The Lord is my shepherd and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I'm going home. But you need to understand that what David is describing here as a sheep in his relationship with the shepherd and the sheepfold David is saying, all of these things are true, and the shepherd does all these things for me, and I now experience the shepherd's presence. I will always, I will ever, I will forever, I will moment by moment by moment by moment dwell in the household, in the sheepfold of my shepherd. He's talking about kinship. <laughs> He's talking about family. The household. Now, you have to think, don't you, for a moment, that one of the things that you understand when you read the 23rd Psalm, as we've laid it out this morning, is that the good shepherd, the great shepherd, does all of these things, and the sheep who have this kind of a shepherd love the sheepfold. Just like not too long ago when you guys were greeting one another. You guys love each other. It's like, you can't get you to stop. I'm teasing. I really am. It's wonderful. It's a good thing. Some churches you go to, they come in and they have the service and it's about an hour on the button and when it's over, in five minutes, everybody's gone. And that's, you know, I don't know. I just, uh, I just find it wonderfully awesome and exciting when after the service, you just kind of hear and you're here. And you're here. <laughs> I think some of you must have Persian blood in you because that's what we do in the Persian service. You know, it, service gets over and then two hours later, whatever, two and a half hours later, they're still there. Still here. It's because we love being part of the sheepfold. We love the shepherd. It's home. Amen. 
And it's not only true that you will dwell in his house that he's preparing for you in heaven. That's true. But what David's talking about is not the hereafter. He's talking about the here and now. I will dwell. I will hang out. I will enjoy the household of my shepherd. And now think about that. That's what elders are supposed to do. Elders are supposed to shepherd the flock so, the sh- so that the flock senses the goodness of the good shepherd, the presence of the good shepherd, the power of the good shepherd, the strength of the good shepherd, the direction of the good shepherd, the love of the good shepherd, the anointing of the good shepherd, the presence of the good shepherd. And sheep who are shepherded love the sheepfold. Just like you do. And this morning, my prayer is that as you consider Pinnacle, that you'll rejoice. You'll rejoice and be glad as God continues to bless us with with men who have that love, that passion, and that desire to shepherd the flock, to protect the flock, care for the flock, all the things we've talked about. And I know the result, which is already evident, is that there is, a, there is a love relationship amongst the sheep. Doesn't mean you don't butt heads once in a while. Doesn't mean you don't have some conflicts here and there. We all do. We're all sheep. But our shepherd is so good. So wonderful. 